mindfulness mode. Take your shoes off and stand in dirt 15 minutes a day. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm here today with a guest who has written more children's books than anyone alive. 86 to be exact. And he's known as the Magical Kids Books Creator. He also runs a Quantum Energy Training Academy, certifying graduates to practice and teach multiple forms of meditation, yoga, qigong, and tai chi for over 35 years. His programs are enriched through his having held children and others at birth and death and coaching people of all ages through a variety of life's challenges. Using fairy tales, ancient arts, sacred sciences, and everything in between, he empowers people of all ages to develop and use their infinite soul powers to achieve their full potential. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview today with Timothy Stutz. I am so excited to talk to you, Timothy. Timothy, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am definitely in mindfulness mode. I've been put in mindfulness mode for the last four hours. <laughs> wow, that's great. Well, Timothy, what does mindfulness mean to you? Um, for me, it's literally being present in each moment with a clear mind so that my mind is not thinking about anything. It's just open to receive whatever information needs to flow in. And a lot of information flows out of you because you've written so many children's <laughs> books. That is really incredible. Do you remember the first children's book you ever wrote? I remember the first children's book I ever wrote. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, it actually stemmed from a comment my mom made six months earlier. I owned a chocolate shop at the time and I received a box of teddy bears that I did not order. And so I opened up this box and there's these 50 little teddy bear faces staring at me. And at the time I wrote a lot of love poetry. I wrote a lot of philosophical poetry. And so I carried one of these little bears in the car with me. And after two weeks, I picked it up at a stop sign one day and just asked it. I looked, at, I looked into this little bear's face and said, who are you? And surprisingly, he said, poet bear. And that made sense because of the poetry I wrote. So I got the idea of putting all of my poetry together in a little book and packaging it in a box with that little teddy bear and putting a heart around the teddy bear, chain heart around its neck and called it Tales of the Heart. And the day I got the whole package together, my mom looked at it and said, you blew it. That should have been a children's book. And I said, well, mom, there's absolutely no writings in there relative to or for children. But somehow her comment planted a seed. And six months later, I found myself literally getting the idea for a children's story and changing Poet Bear's name to Blissberry Bear because it had more of a rhyme to it. And I love the term and I love experiencing bliss. Um, and yeah, so Blissberry Bear comes to earth from the great bear constellation and a blue pearl starship to help children, you know, figure out challenges they have, see things from a different perspective and give them information that they might not otherwise find. And did you include a bear with the book when you created that book? Um, no. <laughs> okay. Okay, you didn't need to. You did. obviously it worked no, without the did. bear. I did, you know, after I started writing more and more stories, I did contact the 
I found the creator who made Disneyland's original costumes way back in the 50s. Uh-huh. And he made a Bliss Berry Bear costume for me that I could get into and go around and be with children and families in. And how long ago was that, Timothy? That was in the early 80s. Oh, was it? So did you do that on a regular basis? You went around to children? Did you go to schools? Where did you go? I have gone to schools and done readings, but not in the bear costume. I discovered that being inside of one of those costumes <laughs> is really hot. I bet it <laughs> and is. You can't stay in it, and you can't stay in them for too long. So pretty, the main use I did with that costume was there's a ancient qigong form in fact it's the original form of movement created by a chinese doctor back around 100 a.d called the animal frolics where you know he noticed that animals in nature are healthy so he created these five animal frolics where you imitate a crane a bear a deer a monkey and a tiger mm -hmm. and this man that made the costume for me i noticed he had a deer costume on the back of a door and I asked him if I could borrow it. And he said, well, I'm going out of business. So if you want to buy it, you can buy it. So there I had a bear in a deer costume. And I just love the animal frolics and children looks because they can pretend that they're animals and get their exercise and also their mindfulness because Jung and Tai Chi are about focusing the mind more than anything. You know, the, the movements are literally stimulating the energy, but it's the focus and the one-pointedness while you're doing the movements that really create benefits. Would you say almost all your books have an element of mindfulness to them? Every one of my books has an element of mindfulness in one way or another, yes. And do you sometimes do live readings? I would imagine you do. I do live readings every month. I have a book club for children where we do live readings and... That way they get to do some input, interact with the children, and the month subsequent to the reading, they get to submit illustrations for what they see happening on each page, and they can use whatever medium they want. You know, they can use fabrics, pencils, colored pencils, paint, art, and submit illustrations. And then out of the illustrations that the children submit, we're creating illustrated by children's books for all the fairy tales. Wow, this sounds really exciting. So tell me about Quantum Energy Training Academy that you run. Yes, I've been, uh, well, I've been practicing and teaching various forms of meditation, Qigong, Tai Chi, Yoga, Reiki, and other energetic healing modalities for the past 40-some years. And... While that has not been my main focus for the last five or six years, I really felt the need to put together a training academy so that I could pass on what I've learned to others and hopefully finding even a couple of students who want to embrace all of what I know so that they can teach it and pass it on and can continue on like Tai Chi and meditation and Qigong practices have been passed on for thousands of years. Right. Do you remember when was the first time you did yoga? I do. Tell us about <laughs> it. I remember having a very stiff body and, you know, I was in really good shape. Um, at least I thought I was. I was in one type of good shape. You know, I, I jogged like 55 miles a week. I would 
ride a bicycle up to 12 miles a day a couple of times a week and swim a lot of laps. And what I didn't realize was that my body was still very stiff. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I first sat to meditate, you know, it's like my knees were up around my chin. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like my legs would not go down to the ground. Um, so yeah, I, I discovered that I was very stiff. And in fact, it wasn't too long, maybe two months into doing my yoga class that at the end of one yoga class, I did a stretch where my back gave way and I couldn't even get up off the floor. Wow. And that led me to a chiropractor and which I'd never even heard of the name of a chiropractor before. And he took x-rays and stuff. And when I came back, he said, well, I have some good news and some bad news. And you know, the bad news was, he says, you have the neck of an 80 year old man. And that shocked me. I mean, it literally shocked me. Um, but everything was correctable and with a lot of yoga and a lot of Tai Chi and a lot of meditation. Um, all of that worked itself out and I find myself at 71 years old, pain-free, medication-free and almost healthier than I was in my 20s. Wow, that is incredible. I would never have guessed you were 71 years old. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't I don't feel it. <laughs> no, no. Well, you seem very vibrant and alive and that comes across uh, in your books as well. Uh, yes, they're inspiring. All of the stories are inspiring. They inspire me, you know. Bruce, I don't even you know, I get it I get an idea and I sit down and I start to write and it's like my mind is completely blank and it's just there to let flow through whatever flows through. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the ideas I had before I started writing and sometimes it's completely new. Like one of the most recent stories I finished writing started out to be, um, it was gonna be called Patience, the Impatient Panda. And as I sat down to start writing it, that P for patience, there were a lot of other P's that suddenly started showing up in the story. Perseverance and possibilities and lots of inspiring words with P. So the story turned out to be the story of a panda from birth until he was three years old, leaving his mom. And I like in, in the stories where I can, I like to weave in facts about animals and different things in nature. So there's a lot of panda facts in there. And I also found myself writing in some Qigong exercises and tips for parents about using nonviolent communication and being mindful. So that, that whole story is about mindfulness, actually and these different pieces. So it turned out to be Precious Panda Pearls. Ah, Precious Panda Pearls. That's the name of the book, right? That, that's the name of that story. It's the longest one I've written. It turns out to be about 68 pages long. Oh, very interesting. And so have you ever done your own illustrations for your books? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um, 
I was, I was like, like everything else in my life, I don't go looking for anything. And, you know, I just happened to meet an incredible artist who has really connected with her inner child and the magic of children. And so she creates beautiful cover illustrations for all of my stories. And the inside of the books have watermarks or light impressions of the cover illustration inside. But all the pages are blank because I want children to visualize and create their own images from the words they're hearing because that stimulates their imagination and creativity, which is a foundation block on which their entire lives are built. So I purposely don't have illustrations in most of my books. I, I do have one book that's fully illustrated called The Ballad of the Bees. Right. I knew you wrote about bees, and I'm quite interested in that. Is that a fun topic to write about? My illustrator called me up one day and said, so-and-so says there's a um, film festival and they're featuring bees and they want a poem about bees written. Can you write it and I'll illustrate it and we'll get it to them. And I literally had not done any books of poetry at the time. So I asked my mom to sit down and list out any bee-related words she could think of and then all the words that rhymed with it. <laughs> and created a wonderful story called The Ballad of the Bees, which teaches facts about bees along with how bees serve humanity and they have for 70 million years pollinating the fruits and the vegetables that we like and bees are one of the only animals that the, the only reason they sting is if they feel attacked bees do not naturally attack any animal so that they live very happily and they have beautiful pristine hives and they contain wonderful lessons for humanity to learn about living together and being patient and present with one another. So I, I wrote that book. The illustrations didn't get done in time for the festival, um, but that, that was my launch into poetry. And over the last two years, I've discovered that more and more of the stories just flow out in poetry. So that's one of the reasons I know that reading fairy tales stimulates creativity because it's definitely stimulated mine over the last 40 years. Oh wow, that's that's exciting. Now, Timothy, in your in your bio, it says that you uh, programs have been enriched by you having held children and others at birth and death. Can you explain what you mean by that? The birth was my daughter, mm -hmm. and when they separated her from her mom, and I, I really had no. I was not practicing any meditations, any form of Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga, any form of spirituality at the time. You know, my, my spirituality was limited to praying, now I lay me down every night before I went to bed, because that's what my mom taught me. Right. And I didn't go to church much except with my grandmother on, we, on holidays, and I did go to military school for six years, and we had Bible class every Friday. And I do remember loving being in the choir and singing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And I actually saw chariots and I saw angels and shared that with some of my students at five years old. And they didn't um, take too, they, they didn't respond the way I expected them to. And so I literally shut down that aspect of my life. And mm -hmm. it was my daughter that sort of reawakened it and... So when she was born and they separated her from her mom, she was laying there and I just witnessed this 
beautiful orange gold red glow coming out of every pore of her body and rising to the ceiling and going through the ceiling and saying to myself something far more um, profound than the birth of my daughter's taking place. Even though I didn't know what it was, I found myself saying those words to myself. So my, my daughter was my birth into awakening. That's a fascinating story. And and tell me more about that as your daughter grew and, and as you developed and changed, how did that awakening develop? I think when she was about two years old, I had a backache really bad that wouldn't go away. And one day she passed me in the hall and she finger right where I hurt the most. And the pain disappeared. Wow. That's what I said. And when she was two and a half, she was riding in the back seat of the car and we were going somewhere and she started to describe where we were going and my immediate reaction was she hasn't been there this there is no way she can be telling us what she's telling us mm -hmm. and then i just started racking my memory banks and what i came up with was the only time she was there was when she was in the womb so that started me contemplating and wondering when we become aware, mm -hmm. when we are aware of our surroundings. And then you know, just other magical things. I was riding home from preschool with her one day and just felt like saying, Melanie, you're so beautiful. And she didn't respond to me. <laughs> and I said, do you think you're beautiful because mommy's beautiful? Still, there was no response. Do you think you're beautiful because daddy's beautiful? No response. Do you think you're beautiful because mommy and daddy are both beautiful and you come from mommy and dad? And she just said, daddy, all people are beautiful. Wow. And she had, a, yeah, she, she had a way of uh, cutting right to the nitty gritty. And we, we went on a road trip, her and I together when she was four and a half and we stopped at a rest stop and the minute she got out of the car she bent down onto this you know the dirty concrete and black asphalt and she started scraping something off of it and I said Melanie do not do that with your fingers she looked up at me with these beautiful eyes and she said daddy how do you expect me to learn what things are if I can't feel and touch them and smell them I'll wash my hands in the bathroom. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and she did, she's taking me through the highs and lows of life. She was um, hit by a car at 11, and uh, she swerved her bicycle out in front of a car coming 40 miles an hour. Yeah, and she was not given much of a chance to live. She was in surgery for seven hours. They gave her the lowest chance of survival. But she, she survived and is living a thriving life at 45 years old now, which is quite wonderful. But that did, that did change the trajectory of our lives. And again, she taught me. I went for a walk around my neighborhood maybe three days after she was in the coma. And I saw this little girl about 10 years old walking towards me. And all of a sudden I heard, Daddy, Daddy, look at me little girl coming towards you. I'm the trees. I'm the sky. I'm everywhere, Daddy. And so um, I had to expand my belief systems and awareness to embrace what I was hearing and feeling at that point in time. So she's, she's found many ways to 
expand my consciousness. Do you ever feel that she is speaking through you when you are using your creativity to share the messages found in your books? Not speaking through me, but I, I, she has been the inspiration for many stories. Um, yeah, the interactions we had together, you know, sitting on the beach one day, she was digging in the sand and I thought, wow, you know, there's a lot of things in life that are hidden that we don't see. So like fire hides inside of wood and you just look at a piece of wood, you don't know there's a possibility of fire in there. And inside of a cocoon, which a caterpillar created, you don't know there's a beautiful butterfly in there until it pops out. Oysters and pearls. And so I just wrote a whole story about the hidden things in life, just from that one interaction of watching her play on the beach. The death side of things is in my work as a Reiki master, I've helped thousands of people through some of life's most difficult challenges. Some of those have been children and holding them when they transitioned and left their bodies. And the very first Reiki treatment I ever got was so beautiful. I came out of it and said to my friend who gave me the treatment, I want to die like this. I mean, I just felt so peaceful and I had no idea I would be blessed to hold over a dozen people as they did leave their body and give them that same experience. That's incredible. So how did that come to be that you were, that you were looking over people as they were passing? Some of them were family. Some of them were um, family of students. Okay. And each one of them has transformed my life. I was a, the caretaker for my maternal grandmother mm-hmm. in, in her 90s. She developed cancer and she was happy. She, she didn't want an operation. And then I left for the weekend and the rest of the family convinced her she should have an operation. And I come back and was really shocked to find out that I had to go to the hospital to see her. And she was shocked that she couldn't get right out of the hospital bed and start walking around after surgery because my grandmother had been able to do with her body anything she had ever wanted. Mm. She could turn off pain. If she put her hand in a fire, she would not know it unless she absolutely saw it. Oh, wow. So she she didn't know pain. They couldn't get all the cancer and it was going to spread to lymph nodes and everything. And it took me a little bit of convincing of the rest of the family that she needed to know her situation and we couldn't keep this from her. So my grandmother consciously decided to not eat or drink and just leave her body because her mind was important to her and she did not want to get in a state where she did not have use of her mind. So she consciously chose to stop eating and drinking and and leave and the doctors told us in her state after surgery she might live two weeks like that and she actually lived six weeks so i spent those six weeks with her every day every night caring for her energetic treatments and was present when she left and she started telling us three days before she left that the date she was going to leave oh did she I also got to I also got to hold her sister, my great aunt, at the time she was being and had given her a few Reiki treatments and she fell and had a stroke and I went to the hospital and the nurse 
took me into this room where she was with other people. The nurse didn't even take me in. She just said, she's in that first bed. <laughs> I went over to the first bed and I looked at the person in the bed and said, that's not my aunt. Went, went back to the nurse and said, hey, you gave me the wrong bed. And she said, no, that's her. And apparently when she had the stroke, it released a lot of tension she was carrying in her body. And she was as long as the bed. And she was short, you know, she, she came up to my chest and all of a sudden she's a lot longer and taller. And I, I spent every day a couple of hours with her, giving her energetic treatments and just being with her. Always with somebody else in the family happening to be there. And then I felt it one night I just needed time and I went there and there was nobody there with her. And the nurse actually had her sitting in the bed in a meditation pose, uh -huh. which shocked me <laughs> as and I, I had taken some tapes to play for her and had those on her head and she started having a hard time breathing so the nurse came in and laid her down and I was I had my hands on her and I had angels starting to sing and fill the room with the sound of ohm and I looked in my aunt's eyes and she opened one eye and she had not she wasn't moving for the two weeks she had been in there and she opened one eye and I looked in her eye and said, I love you. And then she opened both eyes. And immediately she was out of her body above her bed. I was on the kneeling on the floor with my hands on her. And I experienced myself twirling above the bed with her. And my only reaction was, wow, here's, here's an 80-some-year-old body in this state, here's my 30-some-year-old body in this state, and we are the same energies swirling above the bed. So that gave me a very concrete example that these clothes we're wearing as suits, as, as bodies, <laughs> are not our full essence. And that was a very tangible experience. And everybody that I've held has gifted me with experiences very similar to that. They, they've just taken my beliefs and my awareness much further than before I had met them or spent that time with them. I always ask a question about bullying because I've worked in that field for a long time and I wonder if you have a story about bullying uh -huh. where mindfulness would have made a difference. Uh, I was bullied as a child oh, a lot. You? I was real small as a child became and plus I went to military school which was not usual so I was the object of a lot of bullying on my in my neighborhood I wrote one story where a little boy has a friend mm -hmm. and the friend is really a bully and eventually says to this little boy well I'm not afraid of anything you know suddenly he finds himself being transported magically by Blissberry Bear's magical heart into the body of a mouse. And this is the bully now that's in the body of a mouse. And he finds himself in the field and he doesn't know what has gone on, <laughs> but he decides he better make the best out of being in a mouse body. And, you know, he learns about being a mouse in the daytime. And then at dusk one night, he meets a little mouse that's a night mouse. And this night mouse cons him into staying out past his daytime hours and playing with her 
and he knows nothing about the night. You know, he doesn't know about owls. So he's not, he knows about the hawks in the daytime and the snakes and everything, but not aware of owls. So he ends up getting picked up by an owl and realizing there are some things in the world that will scare him. So that, that's how he learns not to scare other people and to be a bully, to not be a bully. Very interesting. And what's the title of that book? Freddy the Field Mouse. Ah, Freddy the Field Mouse. Okay, Mindful Tribe, you can check out Freddy the Field Mouse <laughs> to learn a lesson about bullying. I like that. <laughs> I have another story on bullying where it's a, a group of kids who start bullying a, you know, I, I grew up near Los Angeles, so I went into the city a lot and saw, you know, people that lived on the street and ladies that lived on the street were called bag ladies. So I wrote a story called The Bag Lady and she's bullied by these children that, you know, don't like her appearance and blah, blah, blah. And, Anyway, it turns out that she's got a magical brown bag and one of the girls, everybody else runs away when this lady seems to demonstrate more powers than they thought she had. Mm -hmm. And one little girl stays behind and looks into this bag and finds out that they're more than just bodies. And again, it's, it's to teach children, it teaches children about bullying. It also teaches children about the different systems of the body and the different organs of the body and how to take care of your body. So you don't have the body of a bag lady, <laughs> but, but you have a healthy body, but that the spirit inside of both of those bodies, whether you're a bag lady or a healthy child, that spirit, that love is still the same. Very good. As we move on in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. Okay. The first question is this, who is one uh -huh. person who has influenced your mindfulness in your life? My, all, all of my meditation masters and Tai Chi masters and teachers. Okay. And my second question is about um, how mindfulness has affected your emotions or affected how you deal with your emotions? My basic emotion now is nothing but bliss. And so mindfulness has literally taken away everything else. And there's been stages of that taking away where I thought I was over anger completely. And then I found out I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> but any emotion that does arise that is not bliss, um, I look at it, I honor it, and go back to bliss. <laughs> Beautiful. My next question is about breathing. Do you have uh, something you can share with us about breathing, the importance of breathing, or what it means to you? Oh, it means expansion to me. It means taking in God's divine breath consciously and moving it through my body. And I, I do breathing exercises every morning. That's of them that I've learned over the years that I found powerful. So, yes, it's absolutely amazing. And everybody needs to reconnect with their ability to deep breathe, abdomen breathe, not shallow breathe. And that's not hard to do. Right. You've written dozens and dozens and dozens of books. I know 86 <laughs> to date. 
Are there any books written by other authors that you would recommend for the topic of mindfulness? I've read books of Thich Nhat Hanh, um, met the Siddha Yoga masters that I've followed, Swami Muktananda, Swami Chidvalasananda. I've read books by Ram Das on mindfulness. Those are pretty much the basic ones that I've read. And I've, I've read, once, once I discovered meditation, I read thousands of books. And which ones now, other than those, really don't come to my mind. Sure. Sure. Are there any apps that you ever use or recommend that can help with mindfulness? No, I, I don't use any apps. My The mindfulness that I've done has all been through meditation and through the moving arts. Well, you have profound messages that you share in your books, and I think that's wonderful. And as we wrap up the interview, do you have a message today for anyone that may be listening who is not feeling the bliss that you're experiencing, someone who is struggling, someone who just feels as though they wish they could be more grounded? Do you have a message for those people? Yeah, several things. Take your shoes off and stand in dirt 15 minutes a day. Stand on the grass. Reconnect with nature. Um, get out. Get outside, and bring your hands to your heart often during the day and breathe into your heart. Focus your mind by repeating a mantra over and over and over again when you don't have to think about anything else. And everybody I've met has had an experience of life that has let them feel the bliss they are. And so to remember those experiences and call them back and make them alive. And the more we do that, then they become our 24-7 experience. Right. Thanks for sharing all that, Timothy. And I just want to thank you so much for being a guest on Mindfulness Mode. Oh, thank you, Bruce. It's been wonderful to be with you. Great. All the best to you. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. I also want to mention to you that my TikTok channel is starting to take off. All you have to do is go to TikTok, type in Mindfulness Mode, and you will find me. I'm putting up some videos where I talk about Mindfulness Mode moments, and I have different kind of quick little suggestions, ideas, thoughts for you. So check out my TikTok, and uh, thanks again for listening. Take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.